Are you walking a hard but beautiful journey? Are you sitting in a space that you never thought you'd be? Have you experienced infertility, a miscarriage, adoption? Or are you parenting kids with a behavioral disability? Have these struggles put unbearable strains on your relationships? Or have you struggled with your mental health? I have experienced all of this. My husband and I struggled with infertility and fought for our three beautiful children, our miracles. We went through the struggles, the pain, and the financial burden of IVF in order to have these incredible children. And that journey was so freaking hard. We felt like failures and we felt alone in our struggle. And now, all three of our children have been diagnosed with ADHD, ODD, and anxiety disorders. And if possible, that has been even more challenging. Again, we have felt alone, confused, like we were bad parents, like we were being judged at every turn. It has tested our marriage. It has broke me many times to the point of two complete mental breakdowns. So, if you are experiencing this, please know you are not alone. That's why I've created this safe space for you, so that we can together find the education, resources, support, mentorship, inspiration, and more that we need to grow on this hard yet beautiful journey. Because at the end of it all, I wouldn't trade a second of what I went through because these children, our marriage, our family, and my mental health is worth fighting for. I'm also here to remind you that telling your story is part of the journey. Someone in your life, someone in the world needs to hear it, and I will be encouraging you along the way to tell your story. I'm Tiffany Vaughn. I'm so grateful you're here. It's time to walk your own hard, beautiful journey. Hello and welcome back to Hard Beautiful Journey. This is Tiffany Vaughn and you are here for episode nine. I would like to start again with one of my reviews and this one was left by Kim S. And it has to do with the Florida episode. And she says, OMG, I laughed so hard listening to this. As Mr. Ryder's former kindergarten teacher, I could picture everything you described perfectly. The way he runs with his little arms tucked up tight. I felt every moment along with you. I have been there with him too. I love that kiddo beyond words and I'm loving hearing more about your history, your struggles, and your triumphs as a family. Love this podcast. Thank you so much, Kim, for that review. And yes, he does have a very <laughs> interesting way of running. And yeah, he sure did show that with his Ben Johnson skills in the Orlando airport. Thank you again for leaving that review. So as promised, this episode will be the remaining info that I learned at the seminar out in Kelowna with Dan Duncan on ADHD. Um, in episode seven, I covered three of the areas that have helped us tremendously, and I mean tremendously, and those were working memory, selective attention, and spatial spanning. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss um, task-related executive function, 
response inhibition, and emotional regulation. These three as well are huge um, in our family, and I have definitely found some strategies that have helped us in these areas. The first one that I'll go over is task-related executive function. This is another big one for people with ADHD brains. And let's just say that this whole section has to do with organization. And I'm pretty sure that organization is actually my middle name and my parents just didn't put it on my birth certificate. So imagine my kids, all of them, not having the the ability to keep things organized. And that is my idea of a bloody nightmare. ADHD brains have a hard time with the following task-related items. Task management, so prioritizing, organizing, or initiating an activity. Attention management, which is focusing, sustaining, shifting attention to certain tasks. Effort management, alertness, sustaining their effort, managing energy, and the speed that they process info. And lastly, information management using their working memory to recall the information. Getting anything accomplished in our home with our kids seemed like mission impossible. From them getting out of bed, eating their breakfast, brushing teeth, you name it, impossible. Until one day, I learned the strategy that changed everything. The reward system. Every single behavior expectation is listed on a document that hangs on our fridge for each child. And if they reach a certain amount of smiley faces for the week, they will earn a reward that was determined for them at the beginning of the week. They are involved in this process. So it, they have buy-in. They know that they have helped pick the reward that they want to accomplish by the end of the week. Our kids love, love, love rewards, and they love to know what things they need to accomplish in any given day. There is also a good morning schedule and a good evening schedule, and these schedules show what they need to accomplish before they can have free time, before going to school or before going to bed. Free time in our home means screen time or TV time. During the summer, this is not in use as much as it is during school, but during school, it is imperative that we follow this routine in order to have a good start to our day. I have these charts for each of our kids in my blog. If you would like to check them out just to see what is on them. And if you would like to have one of your own, just contact me and I can get you set up with one. Another thing that we did in this area is organize the front entry of our home. Each kid has a basket where they put their school papers or library books right when they come in the door. They have their own coat hook and shoe location. The front entry also has a calendar that shows what is happening for our family for the week. We also use a lot of timers. We have used, I think, every kind of timer that has ever been Um, made. We have used the hourglass kind as well as apps on our phones and on our TVs and giving them a visual of how much time they have for certain tasks, I guess, gives them comfort. It gives them a sense of knowing when things are going to change. I give them time warnings. So for example, 
if we are going to be leaving for school in 15 minutes. I will get their attention by making eye contact first, let them know that we are leaving in 15 minutes, and then I get acknowledgement from them that they understand what I just said. Then I will repeat it at 10 minutes, five minutes, and then two minutes. And this has helped tremendously in giving their minds preparation for the transition that is about to take place. ADHD brains definitely have a harder time with transitions and moving from one activity to another. Homework planning is another one that we are still working on, but it does tie into what was discussed in episode seven around working memory, selective attention, and spatial spanning. Things need to be made interesting in order to capture their attention. And homework needs to be broken down into chunks of time in order to maintain their attention. I highly recommend the use of calendars and homework apps to keep kids and yourself organized. We used a homework app for Avery in grade six, and it worked amazing. We, she had it on her device and it synced with my device. And when she got homework at school, she would put in what she was required to do. And then I would have it on my device and I would know. It's still a work in progress, but it is something that I'm looking forward to using once she gets into grade seven and higher grades to help her keep organized. Um, Another one is school paperwork management. Kids with ADHD are notorious for poor paper management and they need our help with this area for sure. So what I do is I just ensure that there is a central spot in our home for all school paperwork to collect and then assess from there what needs to be dealt with. And then when that paperwork or that homework is done, then it is put into their cubby at the front door for before we leave for school. Keeping things as simple as possible and not overcomplicating routines and tasks is absolutely critical for the ADHD brain. The next item to go over is response inhibition. And what this is, is the capacity to think before you act. And in people with ADHD, it's recognized as impulsivity, blurting out, interrupting, reacting, poor decision-making. These are some of the hallmarks of ADHD behavior and response inhibition difficulties. The impulse nature of ADHD means that if your child feels angry, he communicates it right away. He doesn't have a few seconds of lead time that a child without ADHD has, and they haven't yet developed strategies that adults with ADHD have developed. When your child seems to be out of control, it can seem difficult to stay positive in order to redirect them. But using a strategy called ACE has definitely helped our family. And ACE stands for Acknowledge, Compassion, and Explore Options. Acknowledge is naming it. What is it that is going on to get your child or yourself reacting angrily? For example, when your brother's backpack knocked into you, that must have really surprised you. I know you didn't want to yell at him for doing that. Acknowledge what just happened. Compassion. Show your understanding for the mistake that your child just made. For example, I get really freaked out when I get startled too. Let them know that they're not alone and that it happens to other people. 
explore options. So work it out with them. Explore options for how to handle things differently in the future. Redirect the behavior or problem solving. I have used code words to redirect my kids' attention. If I see that they are in a heightened state, I will use our code word, and that is a signal that it's okay that they are feeling the way that they are, but we are going to find other ways now to express ourselves. In regards to interrupting, the strategy that I learned many years ago, and we still use it, is when Avery was small, um, I used a strategy called hand on the arm. If she needed to talk to me about something, I would ask her to put her hand on my arm. I would then put my hand over hers as a sign of acknowledgement that I know that she wants to speak to me. When there was a natural break in the conversation or whatever I was doing, I would excuse myself to acknowledge Avery and let her know when I would be able to give her my full attention or give her the full attention at that time, depending on what she needed. Remember, the ADHD brain has a very hard time holding on to a thought or an idea, and they want to say it or get it out of their head before they forget it. I have even had them write down their thoughts if I can't get to them right away so that they won't forget. We have had lots of notes written by Avery over the years, and it definitely has helped her remember what she needs to tell us. And now that the boys can spell and write words, I will be using this strategy with them for sure. The next item to discuss is emotional regulation, and this is a very big one for our family. This is related to managing frustration and emotional intensity. Strategies to help kids who struggle with low tolerance for frustration or low self-esteem, general mood regulation, and social problems with other people. We have definitely seen the most success in dealing with emotional regulation through medication. And it has not been an easy road to finding the right medication for our kids. It's been a struggle, actually. But with patience and consistency, we have found, we hope, the right dosages for each of our kids to help keep them regulated for longer periods of time during the day. When they haven't had their medication, we and everybody else most definitely knows it. And prior to their diagnosis and understanding strategies, if they went off and lost their cool, I would follow suit immediately. There was a lot, and I mean a lot, of yelling in our home, and it was utter chaos. Until I learned that wasn't the way to handle the outbursts. And what actually does work better after many, 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 many failed attempts is actually to remain calm. I know, I know, <laughs> you think I am batshit crazy by saying that, and I know it, it sounds crazy in the moment, but it's actually true. Stay calm. Before going in to attempt to defuse the situation, step back and take at least five deep breaths. Five. Then what I have done is I grab a hold of my child into like a big bear hug, big, big bear hug. And I get them to look me straight in the eyes 
if their head is flailing all around, I will keep holding on and I will hold on until I get them to lock eyes with me. Once I have their focus, I then repeat over and over and over. I've got you. You are okay. You are okay. You are okay. I understand you're upset. I am here with you. You are okay. I've got you. Does this strategy work every time? No, 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 no. But it has worked at least 95% of the time. And there is definitely less yelling in our home. And I will take that. As the kids are getting bigger, it is getting more difficult for sure to get them into these bear hugs. But that is why I am trying to work out more so that I can be as strong or stronger than these little fellas. So try that one out. I guarantee it is definitely worth a try. Very often, a person with ADHD will get angry, shout, etc. But then minutes later, they will feel better and just continue on with their day. It's kind of like they just forget that it happened. But for the people who the anger was directed at, it can actually take hours for them to feel normal again. In a non-ADHD brain, someone's anger response could range between 1 and 10. But for an ADHD brain, it is typically only 0 or 10. Nothing in between. The ADHD, the ADHD person needs time and space from the situation in order to re-regulate their brain. It is important that you work to help the ADHD brain escape the stress cycle that it has fallen into. And this can be done by using the following steps. The first one is awareness. Help them realize that they are out of control. Sometimes they just don't even know it. Two is to reclaim the brain. Once the brain is in a state of rage or over-emotional, it needs to be regulated again. So using calming tools such as fidgets or stress balls or big body movements like kicking or punching a boxing bag, those are ways to help calm the brain down. Three is create a new story. Generally, when a brain is triggered, it is telling itself a story that is not very helpful to the situation. It's important to reframe the situation and help them reframe the situation. Number four is take action based on the new story. Once you consider another way to look at the situation, you'll notice that new possibilities for action become available. So like I said in episode seven, I cannot emphasize enough how highly I recommend Dan Duncan enough. I have his website link in my blog, and I encourage all parents, grandparents, teachers, and school administrators to take a seminar from Dan. He describes ADHD in a way that makes everyone understand so clearly what you or your child is experiencing because he experiences it himself. And he works with people with ADHD every day. I have also learned so much from many books and online resources, which I will also have links to in my blog. But the ones that I really highly recommend are My Brain Still Needs Glasses, Parenting ADHD Now, and the website Attitude.com. And that is spelled A-D-D-I-D. 
tud.com. Two great books that can also be read to kids with ADHD are My Brain Needs Glasses and All Dogs Have ADHD. Both are really great at explaining what is going on for them and just gives them a sense of peace about what is going on in their brain. Today's gratitude is for the following. The first one is the great times spent with our family over the past few months. We definitely have had more time than usual to spend with our kids and I will forever be grateful for that. I am really looking forward to school going back next week, but I am grateful for all of the time that we just had because of COVID. The second thing I'm grateful for is my dad being out of the hospital. He was recently in the hospital and thankfully he is now at home and recovering and he is much happier there as well. And lastly, my time away this past weekend with new friends and being surrounded by the beauty of Pigeon Lake in Alberta. If you need to go to a beautiful place, please check out Pigeon Lake, Alberta. It is unbelievable, and the sunsets are unlike any I have seen. What a beautiful experience that will definitely be shared in an upcoming episode. Hey there. Thank you so much again for being here and listening. It means the world to me. I know how busy life is and that you could be doing so much with your time. And the fact that you chose to spend your time listening to my podcast is so amazing to me. And I'm just so grateful. So thank you. If you like the show again and the content that I'm sharing, please be sure and subscribe and leave a written review because when you do that, it definitely gets out into the world more and that would mean the world to me. You can find me in many areas in the big wide web and I will have links to all of those places in my show notes. Again, I am so grateful for you and I'm always cheering you on and just please remember to always be kind. And until next time, stay well.